Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation. Hey, this is great, man. Now, here's your host, Radical Russ Belleville. Good day, tokers and toquettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Tuesday, July 26, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. Welcome to the show, coming to you live from beautiful legal potland, Oregon. The skies are clear and majestic Mount Hood beckons in the distance here from the 26th floor of the Ardea Condominium Towers on the south waterfront of the Willamette River. And uh, on my TV screen is C-SPAN. We're live now at the uh, Democratic National Convention. They are doing the roll call of states, counting up all the delegates and superdelegates, how they're voting for the presidential nomination. Currently, Secretary Hillary Clinton sitting at 1182, Senator Bernie Sanders sitting at 745. And there was a very touching moment that just took place. With the Americans abroad, something I did not realize. Of course, I know of Americans abroad. Those are the the folks that are citizens that live out of the country, and they still get to vote. Uh, And they get a certain number of delegates, and one of their delegates was Bernie Sanders' older brother, Larry, who apparently lives outside of the country. And to see him get to cast his vote for his brother, Bernie Sanders, it was a very touching moment. Another touching moment came uh, when the Illinois delegation was uh, counting their votes and a longtime personal friend of Hillary Clinton's got to announce the vote for Hillary Clinton, bringing her to tears. And there was also a great moment uh, with the state of Arizona where a 102-year-old woman was able to announce the state delegation vote for Hillary Rodham Clinton, the uh, first nominee, uh, female nominee of the uh, Democratic Party. A lot of history going down today. It's really amazing. And so we're going to bring you some more of that history on the show today. Coming up right after the break, we're going to go out live to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where a friend of mine from my political talk radio days uh, is going to be speaking with us. It's Peter Ogburn. Uh, He is a radio engineer who has done great work in talk radio. Most specifically, I know him from the Bill Press Show. I've uh, I've been a guest host on the Bill Press Show in the past uh, during the holidays, uh, back in my political talk radio days, and uh, Bill Press has been popping up on CNN's coverage of the convention. So uh, we're going to talk to Peter. We're going to find out what's going on and get his perspective of someone who's not in the marijuana uh, movement on how marijuana is being presented at the convention and, and what sort of political impact he might think it's happening. So stay tuned for that coming up right after the break and cross our fingers because we are doing it live. Then we'll get into the cannabis radio news. We've also got a cannabis focus story today, uh, a study that highlights the perception of risk in marijuana use versus the use rates of marijuana. This is being hyped in USA Today and a few other places coming out of the uh, Substance Abuse Mental Health Services Agency. And uh, it's one of those situations where what they're saying is true, but without context, they're kind of 
kind of misdirecting us. Let, uh, let's just leave it at that. I'll, I'll bring that to you in the uh, Cannabis Focus segment today. We'll get a little more detail on that. Also, in uh, drug war data mining, uh, we're going to take a look at a new report uh, showing uh, some data on the marijuana consumer base, as in how, what's the average that people spend on legal marijuana in a year? Uh, the numbers may surprise you. They did surprise me. And then at the end of the show, we'll have time for a radical rant where um, I react to the Democratic uh, convention from uh, last night and come to the conclusion that if Hillary Clinton really wants to win this election, she needs to be more forcefully pro-marijuana legalization. I'll tell you why at the end of the show. And remember, today is just going to be a one-hour show. Uh, no Toker Talk Radio today because, again, history is unfolding. I want to be able to watch some of it. Stay tuned. We're back right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Keep your cannabis cravings under control. Feed your mind with CannabisRadio.com. Play as Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore and the biggest grower in town, only on Weed Firm Replanted. Available on the App Store and Google Play. It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town. Maintaining a room full of plants while dealing with a slew of eccentric customers, from a hardcore partier to the curious neighbor next door. Is anybody home? Help me expand my bud business by unlocking new strains, customizing my grow room, and completing challenges that you can't get enough of. Grow your empire so big you can see it from space. Low on funds? Don't worry. Weed Firm Replanted is free to download. Download Weed Firm Replanted for free on the App Store and Google Play today. Get growing, Mr. Growing. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. You could be you could be 80 years old or 8 years old. You can still learn something that's going to make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com where we don't change our mind on decriminalization during an election year. Are you playing an acoustic guitar but want to be louder without an amp? Try a resonator guitar. The fingerboard extension has national resophonic and other resonators, square necks and round necks. Stop by the fingerboard extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Go wild hog in the woods. Forming America's marijuana prohibition laws takes education, lobbying, and voting. From Washington, D.C. to your state capitol to your city hall, marijuana law reform involves all levels of civic life. Learn how you can make your impact with elected officials as we take a look at our government at work. 
Today in Government at Work, we're still con- still continuing our coverage of the Democratic National Convention right now, looking at the uh, C-SPAN feed. Hillary Clinton's up to 1,457 delegate votes, and Bernie Sanders is up to 940. Hang up. And we're going to try to reach my friend uh, Peter Ogburn. I just uh, realized we're getting his uh, voice message machine. So I'm going to try this dial it, dial it out again, see if we can get a hold of Peter. He's there live in uh, Philadelphia for the Democratic National Convention. And uh, the role of marijuana at this convention has been a, a, a bigger role than we found in other conventions in the past. And yeah, it looks like we're not going to be able to get Peter on the line today. So unfortunately uh, for us, we're not going to be able to talk to him. So, all right, we'll just continue on with the segment because uh, this uh, this convention has been one that's been marked by some uh, marijuana activism. There was a fundraiser that was held uh, on the Sunday before the convention began in Philadelphia that was populated by many of the marijuana industry uh, executives, industry types, and the uh, industry advocacy organizations. Also, reform organizations like Marijuana Policy Project, which held the event, and Drug Policy Alliance uh, were represented. Uh, Ethan Nadelman, executive director of the Drug Policy Alliance, was there and uh, made the pitch uh, to the investors and the gathered activists for the uh, Democratic Convention as to how important marijuana is becoming in the political process. He highlighted the work in Congress being done by people like Representative Earl Blumenauer, my congressman here out of Portland, as well as Jared Polis, the congressman out of uh, Colorado. We've also uh, got uh, Sam Farr and uh, Dana Rohrbacher, some congressmen out of the state of California, and uh, what's her name? Uh, Suzanne Del Benning out of uh, Washington State. We are starting to find that we have, at least in the House of Representatives, uh, the beginnings of a cannabis caucus, uh, the beginnings of an organization that can motivate votes and begin uh, lawmaking and co-sponsoring these bills that will help our industry and help legalization as it moves forward. In the Senate, it's going to be a little bit of a tougher row to hoe. Uh, our Senator Merkley and uh, and Wyden here out of the state of Oregon, while they're positive on the issue, as uh, Oregonians tend to be, it's not the issue they're going to get out in front of. And that's where we're having a little more difficulty. The political movement that's going on in the Senate right now seems to be more around the idea of criminal justice reform in general rather than marijuana reform in particular. The criminal justice reforms as far as uh, uh, ending mandatory minimums and three strikes rules and and things like that are gaining some traction because they have bipartisan support uh, when you're talking uh, in Washington, D.C. about these issues. Uh, Republicans are coming at it as a bloated government waste sort of issue and Democrats are coming at it as more of a a, a justice and, and civil rights sort of issue. The other types of issues that are gaining traction in the political arena when it comes to marijuana have to do with the issues surrounding the industry, particularly having to do with banking and having to do with taxation. Uh, in the situation with banking, the, all of the uh, security uh, laws and, and the federal agencies that regulate banking will not allow these banks to do money laundering uh, for illegal activities, particularly uh, drug activities. 
this was a big scandal that uh, HSBC got caught up in, one of these big mega banks that uh, had to pay a multi-million dollar fine, or was it even billions, I'm not sure, uh, when it got caught red-handed laundering drug money for the Mexican cartels. This is something that bank regulators want to stamp out. The problem is, the way the laws are written right now, there's no distinguishing between, say, uh, Steve D'Angelo running Harborside Health Center wanting to deposit you know, $50,000 or whatever it might be, versus uh, the, the El Chapo and the, and the drug cartels wanting to do the same thing. The law considers marijuana a controlled Schedule One substance. Doesn't matter if the state of California thinks something different. Doesn't matter if the state of Colorado thinks something different. Banking laws are federal laws. And as such, these uh, uh, industries are stuck when it comes to banking. They're also stuck when it comes to taxation due to a a, a code in the uh, U.S. tax code called 280E. A statute in the tax code, I should say, called 280E. And this was written back in the 80s. Got to understand the context of this, where we had the massive rise of cocaine empires that was happening. Uh, You want to go look back on TV land and watch Miami Vice, you'll get an idea what I'm talking about, where the American public was subjected to this, these pictures, these images of inner city gangs with, you know, gold chains and fancy cars and crystal and, and, and Latin American gangs in, in Miami with yachts and, and all sorts of uh, expensive estates. And the American people saw that and they felt like, you know, why should, you know, drug dealers get to uh, profit, get to live these high roller lifestyles. The 280E statute has to do with taxation. And we know that taxation is a powerful thing here. It's how they got Al Capone. They didn't get him on the prohibition stuff. They got him on the taxation stuff. So some of these savvy drug dealers uh, recognized that if they paid their taxes, uh, they could avoid some of the uh, consequences if they got caught. So the tax code was uh, revamped in the 1980s, and this 280E code, this 280E statute, has to do with forbidding the deduction of standard business practices, standard business expenses, if what you're involved in is illegal drugs. So the idea was that the, the, the cocaine kingpin couldn't you know, write off his yacht, couldn't write off his uh, expenses in, in dealing drugs. And smuggling. Well, this law that was designed to go after the cocaine kingpins is now affecting the legal marijuana industries because, again, a Schedule Schedule One controlled substance, a controlled substance of any kind, because cocaine Schedule Two, but still they're both in that top scheduling. It's it's regardless of what the states think about it, regardless if the states create legal mechanisms and licensing for these businesses, two eighty E still kicks in. And this ends up creating, for some of these uh, marijuana industries, effective taxation rates well over 50%. Something that normal businesses would never be able to survive. But being that this is cannabis and people love cannabis, they are still managing to survive and thrive. But for us as consumers, this is a big problem. Because taxes aren't paid by businesses. Taxes are passed on to the consumers. These uh, pot shops that are operating in Colorado and Washington and Oregon and soon in Alaska and hopefully in five more states after this election, these pot shops charging these rates 
are going to work the cost of that taxation into their prices to make sure that they can cover this exorbitant taxation that they're subject to. If we can get some reform in IRS 280E code, that's far less that these guys are going to have to pay in taxes and therefore far less they're going to have to charge in retail prices. So 280E is not just for the businesses, it's for the consumers. It's for bringing that price of cannabis down to realistically where it ought to be in a free market society. So we are getting some traction with respect to these issues. And again, in a bipartisan sense, not just Democrats fighting for this, but in a bipartisan sense, because like it or not, the states have legalized and even law and order Republican types know that having businesses with a whole bunch of cash lying around and couriers running around with grocery sacks full of 20s is not good for public safety. Not a good way to be running your society. So there, And then you've also got to understand about the people that pull the strings in Washington, the high finance types, the Wall Street types. They're also recognizing a huge market for their banking products that is going unserved. They want to tap into that green rush money too. So I fully believe that as we move forward, there is going to be in Washington, D.C., some resolution of these topics. There's too much money on the table for the people involved not to want to come to a solution. Now, of course, all of this discussion is predicated on the idea that there is a Democratic administration come 2017. So far, what I am hearing from political prognosticators in the drug reform movement is that the election of Hillary Clinton, uh, should she win the election, and she's clearly on her way to winning the nomination, should she win the election, that her policies would more or less be in line with what Barack Obama has done, which is nothing. Now, nothing is actually a good thing. Barack Obama's Department of Justice could have done all sorts of things when Colorado and Washington legalized marijuana, from filing injunctions in court to sending in the DEA to arrest people. But he didn't. The DOJ didn't. They, they stood back and they let these laws unfold and they let these states actually be the laboratories of democracy that Justice Brandeis said they, they were or should be. So we could have gotten a lot worse uh, in President Obama. And I think, really, President Obama did as much as he could in the position he was in with complete Republican obstructionism and, of course, the burden of being the first black president. I never did expect him to come out, you know, hey, let's legalize weed. I never did expect that. Be nice to see him uh, do a drop the mic moment at the end of his presidency and maybe remove it from the schedules, but not hold my breath for that either. No, I think a Hillary Clinton uh, administration is going to do much the same thing. They're going to turn, you know, just turn away from it, let the states do what they will, and behind the scenes, maybe help the Senate and the, and the House pass some of these banking and taxation issues. Uh, that's about as far as I see that going. On the other hand, should we have the Republican administration? Should there be a Trump-Pence administration? A lot of people are believing that uh, Donald Trump would be kind of a uh, hands-off, you know, uh, weekend president. That he would actually delegate much of his authority to Mike Pence and whoever he might select as attorney general, and a lot of people are saying that could be New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. Should we have an administration run by vehement anti-drug warrior Mike Pence and even more vehement anti-drug warrior uh, uh, Chris Christie? All bets are off. 
But still, still, I think there is so much money on the table in marijuana legalization for so many powerful interests. I even think that a Pence and a Christie would be a little reluctant to go too hard after these industries. We have yet to see. Make an intelligent decision when it comes to election day this year, and we'll bring you the results on marijuana election night. Hey, this is great, man. Thanks, Tommy. My apologies to my friend Peter Ogburn out there. Uh, We had communicated through text messaging, and maybe he didn't know that the uh, studio number was going to be different than the the number I was texting him on. Who knows? All sorts of things can happen, but... uh, Good luck out there, Peter. Give my best to uh, Bill Press and everybody out there in D.C. We're back with Cannabis Radio News right after this. Legal to listen to all over the world. We're just not sure about France. Cannabisradio.com Cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash, and I don't want to use the ATM and pay surcharges. You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about PayQuick? Okay, tell me about PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card to securely pay for your purchase, and it gives you rewards points every time you use it. Nice. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. Growing green to generate more green. Talking with multi-cup award winner Maya Elizabeth. The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman. I've always followed Whoopi, and I think she's fantastic. I've followed her advocacy over the years. Tell me a little bit how you think partnering with a mainstream, high-profile figure actually benefits the cannabis community as a whole. I have infinite respect for Whoopi Goldberg. I wouldn't just partner with any into that kind of thing. I'm into cannabis medicine, and I'm into making quality products that people can find relief from. So to hear that her vision was actually the same, it's been beyond a dream to manifest. The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I am a round peg in a square hole. Okay, maybe you're high too. Get dot buzz. Dot buzz is the internet platform that fuels community interest, excitement, and new experiences. Dot buzz is the premier online destination for internet users seeking the latest news on a variety of topics. Dot buzz appeals to groups active in blogging, communications, journalism, advertising, and marketing. DotBuzz offers registrants a stronger alternative to the shrinking namespace of existing top-level domain names, such as .com, .net, and .org. Get your name now at get.buzz. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, July 26, 2016. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Marijuana advocacy had a substantial presence at the Democratic National Convention. Protesters aligned with Philly Normal and DCMJ marched two 51-foot inflatable prop joints through the sweltering heat of the Philadelphia streets. 
Downtown, marijuana industry executives, politicians, and reform activists mingled at a reception to discuss how the fight for legalization continues in the next Democratic administration. Ethan Nadelman, executive director of the Drug Policy Alliance, told USA Today, quote, Marijuana legalization ranks with marriage equality as the two social issues that have evolved the most rapidly in public opinion, end quote. Marijuana is already on the ballot in six states, with California, Nevada, Massachusetts, and Maine voting for legalization, and Florida and Arkansas voting on medical marijuana. Tallahassee, Florida, the family trust behind the popular southern grocery store chain Publix, has donated $800,000 to the campaign opposing medical marijuana in the state of Florida. The group Drug Free Florida successfully fought the 2014 medical marijuana campaign with millions donated by casino billionaire Sheldon Adelson. This time around, Carol Jenkins Barnett, worth $1.8 billion herself, is emerging as the prime funder for the group, which needs only to reduce support for the amendment below 60%. Back in 2014, she had also donated $500,000 to Drug Free Florida. As a grocery chain that also maintains pharmacies, Publix might suffer an economic hit from medical marijuana legalization, as a recent study shows fewer pharmaceutical prescriptions are issued in medical marijuana states. Publix officials note that the donation from Jenkins Barnett is a personal donation, not on behalf of Publix. Ironically, Jenkins Barnett, age 59, stepped down from her role with the company to battle early-onset Alzheimer's disease, which research shows medical marijuana may be able to prevent or alleviate. London, England Researchers have discovered that consumers who mix tobacco with cannabis, as is popular in Europe and among young people in America, have more difficulty with dependency issues. Quote, cannabis is less addictive than tobacco, remarked lead researcher Chandi Hindocha. But we show here that mixing tobacco with cannabis lowers the motivation to quit using these drugs, end quote. Between 77 and 90% of European cannabis users mix tobacco in their joints. Mixed cannabis and tobacco use is popular with over half of Australian cannabis consumers and one-fifth of New Zealand's cannabis consumers. Such mixing is less popular in Canada, at 16%, and rare in the United States, at less than 1 in 20 Public health officials are suggesting that a campaign to encourage cannabis-only use would reduce costs surrounding the harm from tobacco use. Manila, Philippines. Over 300 people are dead in the streets at the urging of the newly elected president who has called for police and vigilante executions of drug dealers and users. Philippines President Rodrigo Duterte, also called Duterte Harry <laughs> declared war on illegal drugs at the start of this month and shows no concern about the international outrage over the killings. Quote, double your efforts, triple them if need be, end quote, Duterte told his police forces. The figures on the dead come only from the police killings and don't include dealers killed by vigilantes. Duterte has promised presidential pardons for any police convicted of human rights violations in this crackdown. In fear of their lives, over 60,000 drug consumers surrendered themselves to the authorities. 
This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, July 26, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. From dabs to chibas, sativas to indicas, we roll out a whole concentrate of fresh new content every week. It's like going from the greenhouse to the dispensary. CannabisRadio.com Dr. Dabber, hurry! Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up! I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's orders. Less heat, more flavor. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. Warning. Hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. Or at least they pay me to say that. A public service message from CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belleville Show. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today in the Cannabis Focus, I look up and see my senator, Jeff Merkley, uh, reading out the roll call votes for the nomination of President of the United States. As it stands currently, uh, Hillary Clinton sits with 2111, and Bernie Sanders sits with 1359, 2383 are needed to nominate. So most likely, within the uh, span of this segment, Hillary Clinton will make history as the first female nominee of the Democratic Party for President of the United States. We'll bring you more on that news as it unfolds. But for now, I want to talk in this uh, cannabis focus about this study I saw in USA Today. The Substance Abuse Mental Health Services Administration decided to collect the data from the National Survey on Drug Use and Health from 2012 to 2014, analyzing various regions around the country to determine what has happened since marijuana legalization and what is the correlation, if any, between perceptions of risks of harm in marijuana use versus the rates of marijuana use. Now, this is some interesting territory because what they're about to tell us here is factual, but it's one of these facts in a vacuum where without the context, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So in the report, what they found is that uh, 
I'll read you the quote from the director of the substance abuse prevention uh, uh, people there at SAMHSA. They say, quote, what really is the strongest message that we hope people take from this is the connection between perception of risk and how that in turn dictates the use rates. So if there is a high perception of risk, there's going to be a lower use rate. The lower the perception of risk, the higher the use rates are, end quote. So the idea here is, if you think marijuana is the deadly demon reefer that leads straight to heroin, well, you're less likely to want to smoke it, aren't you? But if you think marijuana is a medicine that could be of therapeutic value to you, well, gee, you, you might be more likely to want to consume it. So this is, uh, again, a fact in the vacuum, right? Because, first of all, this idea that the perception of risk is going to drive the use rates isn't entirely accurate. What they found is they found that 20.3 million people, about one in 13 people over the age of 12, smoke marijuana in the past month. Okay, And then what they found is they looked at the places where there is the highest use rates, places like Alaska, California, Colorado, Maine, Massachusetts, Oregon, Rhode Island, Vermont, Washington, and D.C., highest use rates had the lowest perceptions of risk. And not so coincidentally, all but two of those states have uh, some sort of legal uh, recreational marijuana or have it on the ballot for 2016. So, uh, Then they looked at other states with the highest perception of risk, all from the South, Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Texas. And they find, well, what do you know? There's, there's lowest, there's lowest use rates there. So they try to draw this conclusion that, well, you know, where people think it's uh, more harmful, they're, uh, uh, they're less likely to use it. We, there, there's the problem. There's the correlation. Here's the, here's the problem with that thinking. Those areas that they had already, where they had talked about the high use rates, have always had higher use rates than the rest of the nation. And their higher use rates stayed the same even as their perception of risk declined. The other problem that they find is that since legalization among the kids... Their perception of risk has declined, but their use rates have stayed the same. The biggest problem with trying to, trying to present this idea that the perception of harm is something we can use to help control people's use is that for so long, the perception of marijuana has been inaccurate. For so long, we've been... Under the, underneath this propaganda campaign that marijuana is the devil's lettuce, marijuana is going to lead to heroin, marijuana is going to cause terrible problems in your life, so that when people find the truth about marijuana, they find that it's a medicine, they find it's non-toxic, when they find it's a low risk, they're naturally going to be less afraid of it and more likely to want to use it. And then the other problem with this is the underlying assumption that we ought to be trying to stop people from using marijuana in the first place. That's the the assumption under this is they, they say, well, we could use this in our prevention efforts. If we can make people understand that marijuana use is risky. Well, 
it's not going to help you if what you're doing is trying to uh, make up more reefer madness lies about marijuana because people see through that now. They've got the Google. they got the Facebook. They're going to look it up. They're going to hear from their friends. But the other problem in this situation is that uh, the uh, use of marijuana is not necessarily something that we should be trying to reduce. As we've seen from numerous studies now, use of marijuana seems to correlate with less pharmaceutical drug usage, less suicide, less opioid overdoses. Why wouldn't we want to encourage that? All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll be back with the Drug War Data Mines. And I believe the state of South Carolina is just about ready to push Hillary Clinton over the 2383 delegate mark and officially make her the first woman ever nominated for president by the Democratic Party. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Being green is good. Growing green is good. Making green is great. CannabisRadio.com. The cannabis industry is growing. Business is booming. And as new opportunities arise in newly legalized states, each market is getting more competitive. Today, it takes more than just being a good grower. Do you have the resources to market and handle this ever-changing business landscape? Let Canna Management Corporation help you grow your canna business with our vast resources and experience to make your business a fully functional service company. Financial management, HR, sales, marketing, efficiency, and more. CMC has the experience and the expertise to improve your business and help you better meet the demands of your clients and customers. Call Canna Management Corporation and let our team get you ready to grow. 415-269-8015. That's 415-269-8015. Or visit canna-management.com. Georgia. Hi, this is Willie Nelson. Alcohol prohibition didn't work in the 1920s, and marijuana prohibition isn't working today. It's time we stopped arresting responsible marijuana smokers. It's the fair thing to do. For more information, contact Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Call toll-free 888-67-NORML or visit their website at norml.org. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The law office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy. 
because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Welcome back, everyone. Before we get into the data mines, history has been made. South Dakota actually got to make history, pushing Hillary Clinton over the top, over the 2383 she needed to secure the nomination by the Democratic Party for President of the United States. First woman nominated by the Democratic Party, which is not at all to take away from plenty of pioneering trailblazing women who have run in the Green Party and other parties uh, throughout uh, throughout our history. But yet, yes, we are making another step forward in diversity and inclusion in this nation. And, and dis- despite my dissatisfaction with Hillary Clinton on so many levels, uh, I am not so jaded as to uh, dismiss the history and the importance of what's going on today. So we'll talk more about that in the Radical Rant. Let's get to the drug war data mines. We've got an interesting study here, uh, a profile uh, from CBS Market Watch on the marijuana industry, uh, taken from the analysis of some of the figures from Colorado and Washington State. And according to the report, the headline here, Americans now spend as much on Bud as they do on Budweiser. Interesting. Uh, What they analyzed here are a a bunch of different uh, dispensaries and their loyalty programs. These programs you sign up for, you get a card, you're a frequent customer, you get benefits, those kind of things, just like you'd have at a, a coffee shop or a grocery store. And they found that almost 70% of the people in these loyalty clubs uh, were male and over a third of them between the ages of 20 and 29. This was in the state of Washington uh, by a company called Headset. They track uh, cannabis transactions. Now, despite there being a a big demographic uh, set in the younger folks that use cannabis, despite there being so many younger cannabis consumers, the average age of the dispensary's loyalty club members is 37.6 years old. This is great news because when you look at the demographics of cannabis consumers in general, in general, their average age is around 27. The median age is around 29, or maybe I've got those backwards, but it's in the, the later 20s. So for an average to be out there at 37.6 tells us there's a substantial number of older consumers that are involved in these loyalty clubs. And in fact, 5% of their customers, they say, are between the ages of 65 and 95. They took a look at some other individual dispensaries as well. They looked at TJ's Organics in Eugene, Oregon. He says his male customer base is about 60%. In Denver at Southwest Alternative Care, their owner says the clientele is 55% male, but that the fastest growing segments are women and seniors. They are finding in the data that male customers tend to be spending more than female customers. Annually, men spend, men that go to these dispensaries, spend $647 a year on marijuana. 
females are spending 634 days a year. And this is all from the headset data out of Washington State, right? And, and, and keep in mind that Washington State numbers may be skewed a little bit because Washington State doesn't have home grow. So people are forced to have to go to shop uh, for their marijuana. Uh, who knows if these numbers might be lower if people had a home grow option. Then again, they're only counting the people who actually go to the dispensary. So I guess it would come out in the wash, wouldn't it? Anyway, uh, male customers, $647 a year. Uh, uh, for comparison, they say Americans spend about $1,000 a year on coffee and about $645 a year on alcohol. So, yeah, they say they're spending 647 Now, I know my own personal uh, marijuana use uh, back in the day, because I used to track it back in Idaho, when I was buying off the black market. I was spending around $300 a month. So I'd buy an ounce and it'd last me a month. It was about 300 bucks. 647 tells me, and, I, and I, I'm a pretty heavy consumer. So 647 tells me that a lot of that has to do with the, the cost in the dispensaries. But we are finding dispensary prices coming down, uh, especially in the Vancouver area. People could find ounces in the $200 range at this point. 647 a year when I was spending 300 a month. <laughs> so, I guess they're not smoking quite as much as I do. Another uh, point that they find is that female customers and older customers are more likely to buy edibles. Men and customers in their 50s more likely to buy flowers. This is in the headset data as well. Men and women equally uh, enjoy vapor pens. Those are about 9% of the purchases. Then uh, other things that they're finding uh, among the demographics here are that men are making a purchase about once every 20 days. Women are making a purchase about once every 22 days. This is all on CBS Market Watch. You can find it at marketwatch.com. The title is Who's Smoking Legal Marijuana? Some great news for our industry. Again, it puts off that that uh, attack of big marijuana going after the kids, wanting to addict the kids time after time, report after report. We are finding that marijuana legalization ain't for the kids. Kids already got their access. They got the guy at the high school who hangs out behind the shop class. They, they know where to get their weed. It's those of us in our thirties, forties, fifties, and older. We're the ones going to those pot shops. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, time for a radical rant where I explain if Hillary Clinton really wants to win this thing, now that she's officially the nominee, she better become a whole lot more pro-marijuana than she is. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be. 
the Boober way. Previously on the Stoner Jesus Show. Uh, St. Peter auditioning to be the Microsoft Weed Software uh, spokesman. Hey, this is St. Peter for Microsoft. They track weed. Does that mean they're going like, to track the weed? Is that what this is about, Jesus? I'm not going to be tracked, Jesus. I'm not going to have my fucking weed tracked. And I'm not going to have fucking Microsoft track me back to my fucking house through my weed to where they fucking spied on people with that goddamn Xbox camera. Fuck this. Fuck Microsoft. Fuck this bullshit. The Stoner Jesus Show, live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Or find the Stoner Jesus Show podcast on demand at CannabisRadio.com and StonerJesus.net. Peace, bitches. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Each year on my birthday, every American gets the cupcake. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Don't want to spend money on a night out, but don't know what to do other than watching TV or playing video games? Consider playing guitar, bass, banjo, or mandolin. The instrument will give you hours of entertainment with friends with minimal expense. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today, or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it, and didn't inhale. And one major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical rant. Well, as I watch the Democratic National Convention, Hillary Clinton has officially secured the nomination for president, first woman nominated by a major party, the Republicans or the Democrats. Uh, they are counting up Wisconsin's delegates. Uh, Sanders is up to 1,836. Uh, Wyoming is last. Uh, oh, wait. Uh, Vermont will go last in the roll call. Okay. Well, uh, it looks as though uh, Bernie Sanders will struggle to reach 1,900 in the delegate count, and uh, Hillary Clinton will easily has easily secured the nomination. But um, while the Republicans are coalescing around their nomination of an orange-faced anthropomorphic internet comment section, the opening of this Democratic National Convention exposed the deep divide between these establishment Clintonian Democrats and the progressive Bernie Sanders movement. Sanders supporters, like myself, were already feeling dismissed when Hillary Clinton rejected all of the progressive picks for vice president on her list, which included Senators Elizabeth Warren, Cory Booker, Jeff Merkley, Sherrod Brown, and instead went with Tim Kaine. Uh, that was followed by the WikiLeaks uh, revelation that indeed our claims of the, Demo- of the Democratic Party working to undermine Bernie Sanders' campaign were valid. The news was so embarrassing that even the ouster of DNC Chair Debbie Wasserman Schultz was not enough to prevent 
a cascade of boos raining down on any speaker who dared to mention Hillary Clinton. Now the Clinton campaign is in trouble. The polling averages show the bankrupt xenophobe with the fun-sized fingers is pulling ahead of Mrs. Clinton. More presciently, liberal firebrand Michael Moore has penned an alarming essay of how the comb-over charlatan could actually win this election simply by flipping the Rust Belt states of Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, and Pennsylvania from the results of the 2012 election. Hillary Clinton cannot afford to take any of the blue states from the 2012 election for granted. There are sizable numbers of Bernie Sanders supporters who will not vote for her, myself included. Gary Johnson and Jill Stein are going to siphon away more votes from Clinton than from the living proof that idiocracy was a documentary. If Hillary Clinton wants to be the next president, she'd better become the pro-marijuana candidate. Real clear politics keeps a tally on the state polls for the election. Now, these national polls are interesting, but they're meaningless, since the winner of the electoral college, not the winner of the popular vote, becomes president. That's determined by the votes of the 50 states. But most states are already locked in to either go for a Democrat, the so-called blue states, like California or Massachusetts, and in other states are locked in to go for the Republican, like Idaho or Texas, in almost every election. Right now, there are just 14 states that are currently considered toss-ups within the margin of error, close enough in the polls, that either Mrs. Clinton or the spray-tanned Mussolini could win this election. They include states like Arizona, Florida, Nevada, and Maine, where marijuana legalization or medical marijuana is already on the ballot. And another state voting on medical, Missouri, is leaning toward the misogynist carnival barker. Both Mrs. Clinton and her Twitter Tourette's suffering opponent are squishy on the marijuana reform issues. Both are floating in that states' rights, laboratories of democracy, let's wait and see, we need more research. They're just still floating around in that limbo, trying not to seem retrograde on legalization without being too pro-pot. Both of these candidates are still playing the marijuana issue like it's unpopular and like it's electoral suicide. Hillary Clinton's going to need some ways to distinguish herself as forward-thinking, modern, and cool. She needs some bold initiative that shows her breaking away from her husband's 1990s legacies, like the crime bill that created this mass incarceration that we're dealing with, like locking up twice as many cannabis consumers by the end of his term than had been locked up by the beginning of his term, like creating the crack powder dis- or not well, that's a different different administration excuse me but uh, oh but remember bill's administration going after california doctors after they passed medical marijuana in 1996 he sicked his chief of staff Rahm Emanuel, on them to try to threaten them with loss of their dea prescription licenses if they merely mentioned medical marijuana we had to go to the supreme court to get the court to affirm that doctors had a free speech right to talk about weed So if Hillary Clinton wants to distinguish herself, wants to set herself apart 
from the Clinton legacy of the 90s, here's the custom-made popular issue for her to do it with. She can do it by becoming the pro-marijuana candidate and have the benefit of creating a separation between herself and Donald Trump by painting him as the retrograde drug warrior. She could go on the offensive on the marijuana issue. She could warn that President Trump would likely put Chris Christie in as attorney general. She could point out how he would attack the will of the voters in the states that have passed legalization of medical marijuana. She could drive a wedge between the reality show Hobgoblin and his state's rights supporting Republicans. Or force him to be more explicitly pro-reform, which then might alienate his more evangelical conservative base. She could hammer away at the thought of an attorney general, Chris Christie, who'd give the gift of a now multi-billion dollar industry back to terrorists and criminals. Being ahead of the marijuana issue would finally make Hillary Clinton seem to some people as if she's become more progressive. She could tout all the jobs and the tax revenue and economic boost legalization states have seen. She could tout the health care savings, the improved outcomes, and the decreased suicides and overdoses that we see in the medical marijuana states. She could explain how she's going to remove the banking and tax impediments that thwart the industry's full development and be seen as pro-business, pro-jobs, pro-growth. Pro-jobs that can't be traded away in some lousy trade deal. For once, she'd be seen as being the forward-thinking leader, and she'd be trapping her opponent in the past. And it's not like it's not popular. Democrats and independents support marijuana legalization by strong majorities now, and even a plurality of Republicans are beginning to agree. Hillary Clinton could benefit by attaching herself to an issue more popular than she is and reaping some of the the get-out-the-vote effort that the marijuana campaigns will generate. She could especially rehabilitate her image with young voters who overwhelmingly preferred Bernie Sanders to her. But then again, she's a cautious centrist who claims to have never smoked pot. So I'm not exactly holding my breath here. It's a shame, too. Marijuana is one of the most popular things going, gets tons of media attention every time it is mentioned. And it's not like she has to be seen as, you know, Snoop Dogg's best friend or anything. She can still come off as progressive on the marijuana issue while being that square grandma who's never smoked pot. But again, like I said, I... (laughs) I've never seen Hillary Clinton to make a populist decision without uh, yet conferring with the polls, which is kind of also surprising, considering how well the polls are for marijuana legalization and being such a poll-watching politician. You'd think she'd be a little farther ahead on this, but then again, the polls were in support of gay marriage as early as 2008, and it took her until 2013 to get around to supporting it, so who knows? Maybe by her second term. That's all the time we got for today. Like I said, no uh, Toker Talk Radio for this week since I'm watching the convention. 
For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seat, you manage, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seat, you manage, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seat, you manage, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it.